from the creator of the award-winning Remarkable Results Radio Podcast. Now, listen to a slice of wisdom, a concept, a sentiment, a theory, and maybe even a rant from one of your industry colleagues. For the record... Carm Capriato here, and in just a moment, Bill Haas from Haas Performance Consulting and I talk about not making the same mistake we made with our 12 with the current issue of data ownership. It's top of mind on everyone in the industry right now, and do you remember the R12 issue? Hey, have you been looking for a way to increase revenue and average repair order? Well, who doesn't? Now, how about improving your customer's satisfaction? Well, who wouldn't want that? So what if I told you that there was a simple way to do both? Well, FlexCheck Auto could be the solution you're looking for. This innovative digital inspection software is fully customizable and conforms to your needs. Yes, your needs. FlexCheck Auto's transparent process guides the technician step-by-step and ensures that when your customers receive their comprehensive vehicle report, that they'll know that it is a thorough upfront assessment of their vehicle's needs. Now, that increased customer confidence usually and always leads to a higher average repair order and happier, more satisfied customers. And who wouldn't want them? Get started today with a free 30-day trial at FlexCheckAuto.com. Hey, the catalog of Smart Aftermarket Talk Radio grows every week right here on the podcast. Now, keep in mind that my app, that's available on your app store goes back further than most other podcast listening apps do. Now, it doesn't mean that you're listening with the wrong app. However, I've gotten requests to go back and listen to episodes from the last few years, and you may find that challenging with certain mobile apps. So consider using my Remarkable Results Radio app. Find it on your app store. Everything you ever wanted to know about podcast listening apps is on my website at remarkableresults.biz slash listen. Hey, my friend, Bill Haas, invited me to join him on this For the Record episode. You know, Bill is a legacy aftermarket professional, former association executive, business manager of NACAT, and sought-after speaker and coach. He has a strong message with a couple solutions to offer and basically goes back to the early 1990s when you needed a certificate to buy larger than two pounds of refrigerant. Now, many of you remember... Now, what does this have to do with data ownership? Well, Bill put a nice bow on his thinking as it relates to what we need to do to not let the ownership of data take the same route as the refrigerant issue did. Listen to his thinking. Find Bill's talking points and links to his previous episodes on the show notes page at remarkableresults.biz slash F061. The views and opinions expressed are those of my guest and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the author, sponsors, associates, or affiliates of LSTN Media LLC. The legal stuff is over. Now, a short discussion with Bill Haas. Hey, Carm Capriato here for the record. It's Bill Haas. Hi, Bill. Hi, Carm. How are you? Good, man. Um, you and I were having an excellent conversation, and, and I knew I had to turn the recorder on. Bill and I were drawing an analogy to the R12. How many have been around for R12 when R, R12 transisted into being, you know, I remember it went from $39 to $439, Bill, remember? Just about overnight. Yeah, overnight, all the taxes and, you know, trying to restrict, you know, how it was bought, who it was sold to. And Bill brought up this fabulous analogy to the opportunity that we have today, and let's not blow it, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so if we go back to that point in time, and, you know, I I keep thinking about how the industry really missed an opportunity. So 
at at the time that we were, you know, the the Environmental Protection Agency, everybody, many many states. Uh, we're looking at what are we going to do to control the sale of, of refrigerant. You know, there was, well, we were going to put it in, in big, big cylinders, right? We were only going to sell big cylinders because the guy that owned the car was never going to walk in and buy 30 pounds of refrigerant, right? Well, you know, we all know how that settled out. It settled out that, yeah, we've got the 30-pound cylinder and we've still got the 12-ounce cans that we can shoot a can in, you know, and... Um, and, and my, my concern in that, in looking back at what took place at that time is, is I think as an industry, we really missed the opportunity to have refrigerant regulated to the point of it only being sold to the professional that was trained and equipped to deal with automotive refrigerant systems and and it's not and and so you know the consumer can still go in could still go in and buy a small can of of refrigerant and oh and and i'm not gonna i don't think we need to go into everything behind that why it happened how it happened i mean there were a lot of influences in that right mm-hmm. there there you know consumer groups for instance were a big part of that of making sure that well you can't make auto repair so expensive that the average person can't afford to repair their car. But for us as an industry, I think when we look back today, right, they always say that, that you know, looking back is 2020, right, our vision would have been perfect. Mm-hmm. But if, if we think about that today, I think that was an opportunity that was missed to probably set the stage for where some of the things as an industry we want to deal with today, elevating the professionalism of the automotive repair business, the you know, the value of the automotive repair technician for their knowledge and and you know their skill sets and and their ability to have been to the training and have the equipment to do things, you know, correctly. And so when I look at all the stuff we're on the verge of of dealing with today in in terms of data and the security of data and the ownership of of data and then the privacy of data and and who's going to have access and what are they going to do and do does just anybody have access i mean you know part of the fight that that we're already hearing is well that data belongs to the owner of the vehicle okay what are they going to do with it if they own it what are they going to do with it so when we're looking at it from my perspective for the industry is the people that need the data are the people that are going to service, maintain, and repair that car. Yeah, but there's a lot of data in the car bill that goes beyond what um, service professional would need. There, so there's an argument that that data that goes where it goes can be sold to the highest bidder for location, for size and weight, and you know, and behavior, driving behavior. Yep. Behavior, and, yeah, absolutely. And, and so I, I think that's one of the biggest concerns, which which is why it's pro-consumer. The consumer owns the data, but to a point, yep. I love where you're going with this thing. We missed an opportunity to bring R12 into the professional side of the industry, you know, and that whole refrigerant thing let's not miss an opportunity to bring bring some open discussion about where the, the, the if the data for the repair of the automobile it 
It's got to go to a professional. It's got to go to a professional. Who are those professionals going to be? Yeah. Right? And I think that's the, the type of thing that we could look at today and say, that's how we'll change the industry. We could elevate the industry to a to another degree of professionalism, okay, to say that the person that's going to have access to this information and the ability to use this information in the process of communicating with the vehicle and understanding what, you know, the issues are in a vehicle system is going to be somebody that's proven themselves of having the training, the education, and the skill sets necessary and the equipment required in order to be able to do that. that that's where I think we've got to start looking at where do we go as an industry. Imagine if we had done that how many years ago, 30, 35, I don't know how many years ago, Bill, where we would be today with a professional certification program. Uh, I don't know if it's licensing. I don't know. But you're almost saying that, well, okay, we missed our mark. Let's rethink this. I think absolutely let's rethink this. Let's let's make sure that let's know, number one, who is accessing that information when it is accessed. Let's know who that is. And so if there are issues, there's a way to, to know who that individual was or those individuals were. And, and it was legitimate. And it wasn't a hacking and it wasn't, you know, somebody who wasn't qualified or didn't, didn't know. Um, you know, a lot of this, if you think about it, and it, it, this uh, to a degree already exists, if you think about it. When you look at the um, security professionals designation within the National Automotive Task Force, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That data is only going to those people. That's right. And if there's an issue, there's a problem, they can identify quickly who that was. So what you're saying is the template's there. I think the template exists. And and I think this is more than just a... I think because of the, the importance of this information, you want to know that only the right people have access to this information. You know, you're so right. Uh, today, VIN codes are necessary to to get a part to be turned on, and and the whole story is is well. Then how do I get certification or qualification to have the access through the computers to the OEs that would turn this part on? And and I remember speaking. Um, to AASA on that. And, and there's so much going on on the high-tech level with parts today that uh, sure. where the where, where's this going to come from? So I think your point is extremely well taken. And in fact, I think, did you ever talk to Donnie about this, Donnie Cipher from NASDAQ? I, I, think there, I, think he, I think he'd be willing to take it on. He, he might very well be. I mean, Donnie and I are good friends. We've been friends for a lot, a lot of years. And, uh, you know, I've got a long history with the with the National Automotive Service Task Force as well. And and um, my concern is that we don't, as an industry, we don't spend so much time being challenged with this battle of what are we going to do about service information. I think it makes sense for us to be proactive to putting ourselves in a position to say, we're going to make sure that this is done correctly. And and it has to be supported by the the entire industry. It's got to be supported by 
the parts manufacturers, the parts suppliers, the auto repair shop owners, the automotive technicians. I mean, across the board, you know, we would have the ability to be able to approach the vehicle manual. I mean, if you think about, you got to put yourself in the other guy's shoes for a little while, right? If you're the auto manufacturer, what's your concern about anyone having access to this information? Well, there's, there's got to be an incredible risk for them. They're, they look at it purely, I'm sure, from the liability standpoint. You know, I, I think a lot of people, unfortunately, take the wrong approach to this. A lot of people think, well, they're making this difficult because they want all the work to go to the dealership. Well, that's a fallacy because if all the work went to the dealership, they don't have the capacity to do it in the first place. But I think the issues are, are you know, more prevalent in terms of what is the liability that we incur as the manufacturer of this rolling computer than who gets to fix the car. So in a proactive role, I think if they were approached with, look, there's a way to do this and do it well and protect all the parties. Everybody's got to have the security of knowing that all this data is safe, whether it's the manufacturer, the vehicle owner, or anybody that would have access to that information in the course of maintenance or repair, everybody's got to know that it is okay. Yeah, yeah. So thought, and uh, and let's wrap this up. Uh, their individual states are all dealing with right, uh, you know, with a- access to data. And the federal government, I'm th- not even 100% sure, has tackled this yet. And my question is, is, I can't imagine we would have 50 different laws from 50 different states. So when and if the federal government, and I do believe they'll have to get involved, gets involved, I think this dialogue that you're starting now or that we're having in the industry, believe you me, we're not the first ones talking about this. I know there's a rumble going on out there. Absolutely. And what we're here yep. to say is more the more people know about it, the more people take a stand on this, uh, we may be able to go then to the federal government and says, hey, we have a solution. You know, the OEs, we have a way. We're not qualified, but you know what? We're doing all this stuff with locks and we've got the certification process already locked in. We know who's certified. We know who's qualified. If not, we would have, we would have an absolute mess on our hands of stealing vehicles from, you know, I'm going all that stuff. Absolutely. The confidence, the confidence of the consumer taking it to a shop that's duly certified to be able to get my data, do something with it, make my car safe and reliable. To me, it sounds like a, a really smart thing. You know, to your point about this being in a lot of state legislators, uh, legislations, I'm not sure that they're qualified to be dealing with this. I mean, because uh, a lot of the information that's going to be provided to them is just well, do it because it's the right thing to do. Well, why don't we do it because we're going to do it correctly? Hey, thanks for being on here. For the record, Bill Haas, uh, very enlightening. Appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity, Carm. 